You're listening to Sports Content Strategy with Mr. Richard Clark. The finals in Morrisville, North Carolina, we had about 3,000 fans out over the weekend to watch that. We had a 14-camera full linear TV production that was broadcast on, on Willow TV. That raised a level for everyone there. You know, all the players that came in, all the minor league team owners, they saw that and said, wow, this is where we want to be. It's harder for us to launch professional cricket in America because we can't just use NFL stadiums or even baseball stadiums the way that soccer can or Major League Rugby can because of how specific cricket needs to be. And the integrity of the game is so important that we don't want to do it in baseball venues. We want it to be a quality cricket experience. Just launching a T20 franchise tournament that would play a couple of months a year and bring over some some great players. That's not what we wanted to do and not what we're doing because that's not going to provide the foundation for the sport to succeed. Hello, Richard here, Sports Content Strategy. My guest this time, Tom Dunmore, VP of Marketing at Major League Cricket. As usual, I'm doing an intro with a terrible guitar or a terrible guitar player. I hope the podcast is a little bit better. Tom's talking about the raft of changes that are coming in or developments that are coming in with regard to cricket stateside because minor league cricket started last year. Major League Cricket will start. They've got a World Cup coming up. They're joint hosting it with the West Indies and there's a possibility of it making the LA games too so a lot of things going on but then again there's also a lot of major league sports coming into the US we've had major league soccer I've worked in it Tom's worked in soccer in the US major league rugby is making a play major league lacrosse as well and is there a suspicion that a couple of the sports maybe baseball maybe hockey are susceptible Certainly MLS, when I was over there, was thinking hockey was a sport that they could catch and they could become, uh, go from number five to number four in the, in the overall rankings in the US. A very, very big market, of course. As I say, my name is Richard Clark. My podcast, Sports Content Strategy, my company, Sports Content Strategy. So if you need a consultant in this kind of area, just let me know. You can get me at MrRichardClark.com or at MrRichardClark on all social media. I've got a book out actually on county cricket. If, if any, any cricket fans are listening to this, I wrote it a couple of years ago, um, came out in 2020 and it's done pretty well. Um, it's called Last Wicket Stand. You can find that on Amazon or on my website. You can buy that anywhere in the world, no matter where you are. There's links on my website to uh, different places where you can buy that. But yeah, let's talk cricket and let's talk Major League Cricket stateside with this man. Tom Dunmore, Vice President of Marketing for Major League Cricket, which really means my job is to tell everyone in, in America and the world about uh, Major League Cricket launching and all the all the uh, exciting uh, things that we have in, in uh, plan to, to launch the league. So where are you with the Major League Cricket story? Because we've had one year of the minor league cricket, but there's a there's a plan ahead, isn't there, involving the national team? Um, involving a World Cup, potentially an Olympics, and of course, Major League Cricket at the centre of that. So, where are you in the in the journey, as they say these days? In the journey. Sure. sure. How long do you have? I know we have we have an hour. This, this can be a long <laughs> one. But, okay, uh, let's. Uh, it's an opening question, so you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> try to, I'll try to, 
yeah, I'll try to give you the quick uh, elevator speech, as they, as they say here. Uh, so we are, it's a very interesting time to talk to you because this is a pivotal moment for us as we head into the launch period towards Major League Cricket. As you said, we launched Minor League last year and there's a lot happening more broadly with cricket across the country with the World Cup rights, uh, co-hosting rights awarded to the U.S., uh, and so right now it's it's all these buckets that we have to to work on simultaneously to, to launch this league because we're really not just launching, you know, a franchise T20 competition. We're, we're building a sport. We're building the infrastructure to support it across the country from from stadiums like we're building in Dallas, near Dallas, Texas, at Grand Prairie. Uh, and there are multiple uh, stadium projects at various uh, stages of development at the moment to bring in professional players, developing young players, developing a pipeline of talent uh, to uh, everything that we'll need to make Major League Cricket a success from, you know, marketing, uh, advertising, PR, promotion, fan engagement, building community around the country and, and bringing in, uh, bring in world-class players. Most importantly, really, uh, to the league to make it a, a massive success and, and and make it the type of league that's, that's going to make um, the, the millions of cricket fans that are in America already pay attention to it, but also start to win over new audiences for the sport and introduce what cricket is to uh, millions of Americans as, as the, you know, the awareness outside of, of those of us from expat, uh, you know, diasporas that, that come from cricket loving countries, the awareness of what the sport is outside of that is quite minimal. So we have a massive job of, uh, introducing what the sport is and explaining that it is not your 19th century uh, cricket that, that any Americans that even know what it is probably think it is. Uh, you know, they, they may think it's a five five week long game. You know, sometimes what I hear, uh, uh, you know, with uh, 19th century gentlemen playing when when we all know that the cricket itself uh, has evolved a lot. But you know, and there are different perspectives on that, obviously, in in, in uh, the world of cricket, but. Uh, you know, certainly the type of cricket we'll be bringing is, uh, you know, impactful, short, um, exciting and, and active and athletic. Uh, and and the, all those sort of values are things that will resonate with American audiences. But we've got to introduce what it is and, and bring it uh, to, to, to those audiences across the country. You had pretty good success with minor league cricket last year. Was it 200 games, 27 teams, I believe it was? Um is it fair to say at the moment, though, the interest in cricket is mostly from the South Asian communities? I always got told that the, the Silicon Valley cricket leagues were particularly good because South, uh, Indian and Pakistani and Bangladeshi players came over uh, or, or, or workers came over to work in Silicon Valley and those leagues are really good. And of course, the team that won the the, the, the minor league cricket last year was the Silicon Valley Strikers. So. It, is it at the moment uh, those South Asian immigrants? That's certainly the bulk of the participants uh, and the viewers for, for cricket in the US right now. There's, there's no doubt about that. And that's a population that's grown enormously over the last 20 years as well, partly due to the tech industry, as you mentioned, and other, um, you know, other, other industries that, uh, that, that have flourished in the last couple of decades, not just in Silicon Valley, though. I think that's what's interesting is those populations have grown enormously in places that might not be quite as obvious, like Texas and North Carolina, places where we're having a lot of success um, with developing uh, our cricket stadiums. We're, we're uh, building our first cricket stadium, like I said, in, in Grand Prairie, Texas, not in, in Silicon Valley. 
Um, uh, the second one that we've we've announced as a major league cricket venue will be in Morrisville, North Carolina, at the heart of uh, what's called the Research Triangle, where there's a number of universities and a lot of high tech industry as well. So we're seeing that because that population has grown massively across the country, that's also spread out where cricket is popular in you know, New York, New Jersey. It's probably the single largest um, South Asian diaspora population in the country, D.C., uh, Chicago, uh, all of those major cities, uh, Pacific Northwest as well, have massive populations. But it's also Caribbean populations and other expat groups. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm not going to say it's a large group yet, but there are groups of, uh, you know, born and bred Americans who are embracing the game. Uh, and that can be uh, people that have no familial connections to the sport that have just discovered it somehow. Uh, you know, it's on ESPN Plus. Uh, if you follow international soccer, you often read, you know, The Guardian online and you'll come across a lot of cricket articles. So people are being introduced to the sport because of the way the world works now in a lot of different ways. Um, but they're also the children of, of expats too, who, who are, you know, born in America, Americans. Um, but, you know, because they have some exposure to it through their parents, uh, they're, they're learning the game too. And, you know, they're, you know, we shouldn't think they're not American, right? There's this idea it's not an American sport. Uh, you know, those are Americans, many immigrants, uh, you know, they, they are new Americans as well. So it's an American sport in many ways. It's just, it certainly is contained to a, you know, a particular diaspora to a large degree. But our job is to firstly engage that group in Major League Cricket and in, in helping us build the sport at all levels, at youth, you know, youth levels, pipe, you know, the pathway to, to national teams development uh, and ultimately to the national teams and major league cricket, but also go beyond that, whether it's with the children of, of expats or uh, new fans of the sport that have discovered it in different ways. Uh, and when, once we have major league cricket events, introducing uh, through live cricket uh, the, the opportunity to see the game uh, and to have teams that, that are meaningful Two cities, uh, teams that you can support in your own in your own backyard. Uh, you know th those are really important elements to to grow the game. Um, but but certainly, you know, there's no doubt that that's where the bulk of the the interest and support is right now. Yeah, as you said, and to just to sort of develop on that, it, we're talking about Major League Cricket, and people will say, okay, well, Major League Cricket that follows on naturally from T20 Blast, IPL, Big Bash, etc. But Major League Cricket is the the tip of the spear because you're actually trying to grow a sport. You're building stadiums, um, uh, youth development pathways, as, as you spoke about as, as well. So when we talk about Major League Cricket, it's not just the tournament itself. So it's all obviously really linked. It's going to be a feat to fit that all together and make it grow together. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. We're incredibly mindful of that. It, for us just launching a T20 franchise tournament that would play a couple of months a year and bring over some some great players and, and maybe playing baseball stadiums. That, that's not what we wanted to do and not what we're doing because that's not going to provide the foundation for the sport to succeed in the long run. And our partnership with USA Cricket and with a, you know, with a sanctioned, uh, sanctioned league for high-level T20 or short-form cricket in, in the U.S., that partnership was was based not only on us launching that league and building multiple stadiums to support that, but on developing the game as a whole. Uh, that's one reason why we're also the commercial and, and media rights holder for the USA national teams, because um, that's a massive further incentive for us to, to invest in the development 
of uh, American cricket, uh, so that those those teams can can rapidly advance, and the men's and women's teams can can host uh, the highest levels of international play in America, and we can have tours from from the top teams around the world. We had Ireland over here playing the U.S. Uh, right before Christmas, and and uh, we got a victory against a full member nation, uh, which was was pretty great to to see. Uh, but that's just a taster of, of where we want to be by the end of this decade. And that includes, you know, getting up to a higher level by the time of the World Cup, uh, the Olympics, potentially in 2028 in L.A. And the women's game is a great opportunity to advance quickly, too, especially given the sort of athletic uh, focus that, that high schools and, and uh, junior levels of, of girls sport have in the U.S., where obviously, it's a, you know, we saw in soccer how quickly that translated to international success in that sport. So there are tremendous opportunities here and we're committed to, to building across all of that uh you know we probably spent more time on minor league cricket over last year than anything else because uh, that's 27 teams and 21 communities that can start to build you know those platforms in all of those different places for player development for fan engagement for facility development it's not just about having a you know several shiny stadiums it's also about having smaller uh, practice facilities about having multiple, you know, natural turf uh, pitches across the country because we haven't had a lot of that in the past. There have been very few, uh, you know, natural grass wickets, which obviously makes it hard to develop world-class players. Uh, so we need those facilities to be installed across the country. All our minor league teams are committed to doing that over the next two or three years as well. So that will develop, you know, dozens of uh, high-quality places to play uh, across the country and communities that, that, that can embrace the game around those teams. So all of that is, uh, you know, it's very multi-layered. We have academy programs, we, you know, we're working on youth, youth tournaments and competitions. We work hand in hand with USA Cricket on a lot of that as well. So it's, uh, and we know the ICC has identified the US as its, its number one uh, area for, for expanding the game. Uh, and so they're clearly committed as well, which, you know, the World Cup hosting rights was, just one sign of that, but but other investments they'll they'll make in the game here too. So it's it's a unique opportunity, and I'll say the one thing that we have in our favor is, you know, and I've been in America for for about twenty years. We're not afraid in this country to to take a deep dive and a big big bet and a big gamble on something. Uh, that's probably why our company is is backed by a lot of Silicon Valley investors and tech investors who are used to taking that, that sort of chance and making that investment uh, and building something big. We're very good at the commercial side of it here. We're very good at stadium development. We're very good at doing those things the right way uh, and building competitive sport, uh, you know, it, in a really top-class way. You look at high school, college sports here. It's, it, it's an incredible uh, standard of professionalism that, you know, would put most professional sports in other countries to shame so you know that, that's the one thing america has is the resources and a, a rather insatiable appetite for, for, for sport and and, uh, and entertainment so if we can find the right way to connect those uh, and, and aggressively build it out uh you know we think we can have an impact and there'll be bumps in the road we know that i'm sure we won't get everything right every step of the way no doubt about that but we're willing to take some risks and we're willing to make the investments uh you know talking ultimately hundreds of millions of dollars to be poured into this um, because we believe that, that, that there is a, a pretty solid sustainable model in the future um, that can that can build on itself when, when we get there. But it takes it certainly takes some, some risk to begin with. Just to go back to minor league 
cricket for a second. Just give me a feel of, of what those games were like. I know it was 200 games, 27 teams, as I, as I spoke about. All but one were shown on YouTube. But the actual experience of being in the ground, I mean, were they local clubs that were kind of beefed up for the occasion? Were they paying spectators? How many spectators were there there? What sort yeah. of, I, I'm, in my mind, it, it feels like a sort of a Lancashire League kind of feel to it, you know, where there are are spectators, but it's a, it's a smattering. But you tell me, it's just interesting because I didn't, I watched a couple of the games, but I didn't quite get a feel of what was going on around it. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was very varied, I would say, it, you know, the, the, the teams have a variety of settings uh, from, you know, quite, you know, really very nice uh, stadiums. We, you know, we have a, a lovely cricket stadium in, in Fort Lauderdale in, in Florida. You know, I, I think it costs 70 million to build or something. You know, it's a 10,000 capacity proper cricket venue. Uh, and then we have a very scenic venue in, in Morrisville, North Carolina, uh, Church Street Park that we're making some further investments in to bring it up to uh, Major League Cricket and International Cricket level uh, and there you know in Morrisville for example you know they were playing under the lights on a Saturday evening and they had hundreds of fans out food trucks and families uh entertainment it was a lot of fun great cricket beautiful setting of this tree-lined backdrop you know uh sort of your your ideal vision of cricket really and to see that come to life uh, and, and again a place you probably wouldn't have picked uh, you know, uh, at a, at, on a map a few years ago in North Carolina to, to be a home of, uh, of minor league cricket. Uh, that, that was really great to see. And that's a model we want to see elsewhere. And then there were certainly games, uh, you know, that played not on natural grass wickets uh, and without many spectators in, you know, sort of municipal park settings. Um, but what was important was getting it started in all those places. And then knowing all these teams have the aspiration to get to, where they can have a, you know, a quality setting where hundreds of fans will, will come regularly uh, to watch them uh, a, a, on a good surface and see really good cricket. I will say the quality of the cricket itself was very good. Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect coming in, frankly, uh, but club cricket here is, is, is actually rather good. Uh, there, there are a lot of very good players in the U.S., both from the, the South Asian diaspora, also a lot of young players who have grown up playing it uh, again you know largely the children of, of, of immigrants from cricket loving countries but they've received a lot of good coaching and then a lot of players from the caribbean particularly too obviously our proximity to the west indies uh, and the ability uh, of players from there to travel here they're often coming here anyway for weekend tournaments and now they had the chance to stay for longer and play in a multi-week competition uh, so we saw a lot of very, you know, we had Robman Powell in there, uh, you know, who recently uh, listed <laughs> England uh, and a number of other international players from from the West Indies, uh, along with a lot of high quality professionals that we brought in. We've, we've contracted about 35 uh, professional players year round to Major League Cricket, and those are all playing in minor league cricket. They'll play in Major League Cricket. A lot of them will do coaching and mentoring as well, but they're living here year round. We're not bringing them in just to, to come and play for a few weeks. They're, they're, they've made the US their home and they want to be part of their cricket communities uh, and, and they're raising the standard of the game. Um, you know, it, 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 again, there are a variety of reasons. It could be, you know, Liam Plunkett, Corey Anderson, that, that they happen to have uh, American fiancés uh, and or now wives. 
so it made made sense for them and they had an opportunity to continue their cricket careers which is something neither of them thought would be possible several years ago if they came to the US so they're you know like you know Liam every time I talk to him he's incredibly excited about it he just got settled in, in Philadelphia starting his new life and getting to play professional cricket in his backyard and, and be the you know be an example for, for that entire region so uh, you know those players are able to seed the teams and provide that that level of play Mukchan from India who was the U19 World Cup winning captain for India uh, he's come in and, and he was a captain of the Silicon Valley Strikers who you mentioned who won the title and, and not only did he play very well but he set an example on health nutrition fitness how to be a professional how to play the game for the younger players coming through so that's quickly raising the standard uh, playing consistently week after week training week after week that's something American cricket hasn't had before at the, the club level uh, players are paid at semi-pro you know they're paid a match fee uh, it, it, you know it's not a, a full-time gig for the players for the most part outside of our contracted players um, but we hope we'll get there with more and more players particularly the national team players uh, as well soon so that you know it's important to, to grow that pool of full-time players uh, so that you know the quality can continue to grow but it, it was a fun level of cricket there was some some big hitting some great moments uh, and it was it was just so much of it happening on the weekend and the fact we were able to stream most of it gave, gave people a chance to just jump in and taste it. Uh, and again, I think that the competition amongst the teams and players to get better, to want to win, the playoffs were very competitive. It was hard to get in them because there were 27 teams competing for a limited number of spots, just uh, just the top two in each each of the four divisions qualifying for the, for the playoffs. So it was very competitive. And then the finals in Morrisville, North Carolina, we had about 3,000 fans out over the weekend to watch that. We had a 14-camera full linear TV production that was on, broadcast on, on Willow TV. And again, that raised the level for everyone there. You know, all the players that came in, all the minor league team owners, they saw that and said, wow, this is where we want to be. This is what we aspire to. And this is the level we can take the game to. And we've only done this in a, in a year. So, uh, you know, we, we believe that we can rapidly get to that, that, that higher level pretty quickly. And I think the quality of the cricket itself would, would surprise some folks tuning in as well. And it, it, it will only get better pretty rapidly here. Cricket's a game that prides itself on integrity. Now you've talked about the uh, minor league pitches, I think have to be grass pitches within three years, I believe I'm right in saying. Um, things like pitch condition is something cricket people obsess about weather conditions they obsess about now I, I i don't think it's public knowledge where the six major league uh, cricket franchises will be you you, you know i'll make i'll make a wild guess that one will be be in fort lauderdale florida one will be in dallas but you know very different conditions if you go to seattle compare seattle with the likes of houston um you know one's going to be rainy and wet and Durham in April and the other it's going to be boomeranging around because it's because of the heat so <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how you work out the integrity of cricket because that's really important we, you know, with football you can play football on an NFL pitch and they do I mean I've worked in major league soccer mm -hmm. I know you've worked in 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 soccer in America and that was helped by the fact that there were stadiums that could be used. Obviously, they moved to soccer-specific stadiums as soon as it was viable. 
it's not quite that easy a fit with cricket. So you've got an integrity issue that you need to work on, I would think. Is that is that fair? Yeah, two yeah, two interesting points there. I think one is that the the differences in the climate across America uh, are going to be one of the things that's going to make American cricket pretty fun. I think you know it, it is going to be vastly different, like you said, in the Pacific Northwest to Texas or Florida uh, or the Northeast um, or the Midwest. They're all going to have a variety of soil conditions and climate and weather that that is going to provide a real variety that, that you probably don't see in many other countries. Uh, in terms of conditions. So I see that uh, as a positive because I think it allows us to develop players that are capable of playing in a, in a whole bunch of different conditions and won't necessarily be specialized into one climate, uh, you know, one type of weather condition uh, because of the size of the country. And I think it will just add a fun aspect to the sport as a spectator as well. Um, but in terms of the, the the stadiums, you know, again, it's a blessing and a, and a curse. It's harder for us to launch professional cricket in America because we can't just use NFL stadiums or even baseball stadiums the way that soccer can or Major League Rugby can um, because of how specific cricket needs to be. And the integrity of the game is so important that we don't want to do it in baseball venues. We want it to be a, a quality cricket experience that the fans of cricket will appreciate and um and embrace and you need the right conditions uh, to do that so it's certainly forcing us to make those massive investments you know a massive infusion of capital into building these these venues across the country so that we have those places to play now that's a plus in the sense that unlike you know mls or, or the nasl in the old days for pro soccer in america um you know they, they were never able to find a sustainable model playing in nfl stadiums uh, or baseball stadiums because you know it was expensive. They didn't control the revenue. It wasn't a great experience for fans. I, mean, I, I went to MLS games in, you know, massive 84,000 capacity NFL stadiums and you had 8,000 people there and it was pretty miserable, right? We're building, we're going to build small cricket specific venues um, that will have flexible capacities from sort of five or 6,000 permanently uh, to 15,000, 20,000 for, for big World Cup type events, but that won't feel empty when there are five or 6,000 people there, you know, they will be relatively low, um, you know, low impact venues uh, and sort of lightweight, you know, there's one we're looking at in one location that will be largely grass banking around it, uh, sort of like the, the Oval in, in Christchurch um, in New Zealand. And that, that'll be really scenic. It's in a lovely park setting, so it'll fit in well there. Uh, it doesn't cost an incredible amount to build. It doesn't impact the environment and the park as much, but it will be a, a lot of fun to go watch cricket there. So, you know, we can do that uh, with these developments in a pretty smart, sustainable way. It means, yes, it's a big capital investment, but unlike MLS, we're also not spending 300, 400 million on each venue. You know, we can do them from anywhere from 10 to 50 million, which, which is a lot, relatively a lot easier to do. It's a lot of money, but a lot easier to do and scale that to, to multiple locations um so and it's quicker to do it as well so uh so it, it, it is a, a fun a fun twist on on the challenge for cricket in america i, I try to look at it as glass half full because uh, it's going to give us the opportunity to control the venues control the schedules which again was another massive problem for mls and uh, and for rugby and other sports as well when they're competing with the bigger tenants of, of those venues so we'll have priority dates in all the venues that we we own or lease uh, so, it, it, you know, in some ways, I think we can we can turn it into a blessing.
As I say, I worked in Major League Soccer a couple of years um, in charge of, of digital and comms at Colorado Rapids. And um, one thing that struck me is, firstly, Major League Soccer wanted to do soccer the American way. Um, they didn't want to do it the European way, sometimes almost deliberately drawing distinctions. And they've actually moved a little bit more European, even to the extent that teams are starting to be called football teams and, uh, sorry, football clubs and Uniteds and cities are all over the place. There's less of the blizzards and the whizzes and the burns and all that kind of stuff. I think the other part is they've they brought in key overseas talent. I mean, they've still brought in key overseas talent to sell the league. It's been called a retirement league in the past. I think that's less true now, but it certainly has been true. Um, what are you picking out of the major league experience? Because what it's done very well, being uh, a central, a centrally organised, a single entity league, is it's got itself up and stable very quickly and got itself some global resonance. Now it's in those, some of the clubs are in those teenage years where they want to leave home and do their own thing. So there's pros and cons, but what are you picking out of the MLS experience? Because I know that you're a, you've worked at USL and you're a student of the game over there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's something that, that's on my mind a lot. Uh, there are fascinating comparisons and contrasts. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, Two, two of the biggest things are that the, the MLS model showed that when, when you launch a league in a sport, you need to have the backing to, to sustain the highs and the lows, which pro soccer had not had before. You know, the NASL had expanded at a massive pace, taking on any owner who had, you know, could pull together uh, just enough to get by on, on the expansion fee and, and payroll. But then as soon as things went wrong, you know, the, the, the club was in big, big trouble and the league was in, in big trouble. So MLS has intentionally had, you know, backers with huge pockets who could sustain that. Um, so certainly in the investment level we're looking at and the investors we have coming in uh, and the central model of investment in the league is something we're doing initially to make sure that we do have a similar sustainability uh, for, for the league. Sorry, my dog's sneezing in the background. Oh, okay. that. <laughs> um, it's, um, uh, but one of the, you know, a couple of the big differences are on the playing side, um, you know, we're going to be able to have world-class players in their prime from the beginning in our league. And that's something that MLS has always struggled with uh, because of how hard it is for them to compete financially uh, with, European, uh, you know, European powerhouses, like you said, that's led to the retirement league uh, image, even if it's changed a bit, uh, but they're still nowhere near having, you know, uh, you know, teams full of the best players in the world every season. Whereas our league, you know, aside from the IPL, uh, you know, will be up there with the best T20 leagues very quickly, certainly, you know, alongside the likes of the CPL and, and so forth. We, we, we're very confident at the quality of player we think we'll be able to bring to, uh, to Major League Cricket, it, it'll be a lot of the best players in the world. Uh, you know, A, we'll, you know, we believe we'll be able to afford it financially, but B, it'll be attractive for players to come to America to take part in Major League Cricket and be part of the experience. So, you know, that is going to be a difference maker for us. MLS, sorry. Uh, can we pause for one second? <laughs> Leave my dog out of the room. 
The digital transformation of the sports industry continues to accelerate. We've seen technology play a huge role both on and off the field to drive new business models and help us reimagine how sport is played and officiated. As the number of technology vendors in the market increases exponentially, Sports Tech Match saves rights owners time wasted speaking to the wrong vendors. The platform enables federations, leagues, clubs and other sports organisations to quickly and confidently identify and connect with the right solutions. Sports organisations at all levels can use Sports Tech Match's unique and anonymous request for information service to create and submit their requirements to a growing community of trusted vendors. Go to sportstechmatch.com for more. All right, sorry about that. No worries. Uh, so... You know, we're, yeah, we're very confident that the, we'll be able to have that from the beginning. And that's going to be really important because one challenge MLS has had or, or Major League Rugby has now is that there, there are many, many fans of, of that sport in this country that don't follow the Major League because it, it isn't at the standard that they're used to watching on television. Uh, we'll be at that standard that they're used to watching on television in good facilities, you know, cricket first facilities from the beginning. So that's a big difference maker uh, for us. Now we have challenges that MLS doesn't have, uh, you know, by the, by the 90s, most Americans at least knew what soccer was and how to play it because of the explosion of youth soccer that started in the, in the 70s. Um, cricket is, is, is coming from a much lower level of awareness in the general population. So uh, we have a massive challenge there to introduce the sport uh, and grow youth cricket as well uh, that, that MLS doesn't have. Though, again, you know, glass half full, we, we can shape the youth programs and the academies uh, from an MLC standpoint from early on, whereas MLS has actually always been playing catch up to the established uh, youth soccer uh, communities and, and clubs, uh, and it's almost it's become rather competitive uh, in a lot of ways. So um, the, the other interesting last point I'd make is it took MLS a long time to get there, but ultimately there was a fairly obvious model of how to, uh, you know, how to develop a club identity that would resonate with, with soccer fans. You know, a few clubs early on in MLS got that DC and, uh, Chicago and a couple others and then when Toronto came along in 2007 uh, and several others after that it became obvious that you do need to embrace the supporter culture you know the the, the European style identities to some degree uh, and that's what ultimately there were fans out there who would uh, who would come out to see that rather than focusing only on the sort of family experience and the youth soccer crowd which is what a lot of teams did for the first decade without a lot of success um, there isn't such an obvious way to model American cricket because uh, global click cricket is also very um, fractured in terms of its identity, I would say. You know, every T20 league looks and feels quite different from each other. T20 itself is obviously very different from traditional forms of the game and then there are new forms coming along, T10, 100, etc. Uh, so there isn't really an established, obvious brand of, of what uh, Major League Cricket should look like. And it needs to appeal both to existing cricket fans here, but also be something that can feel welcoming and, uh, and, and relevant for, for new fans uh, of cricket as well in America who are used to other sports. So we have a very interesting challenge to to create an identity that um, resonates, you know, uh, along those uh, varied audiences. And uh, that's what we're going to be spending a lot of time over the next year doing as we develop the, the launch plan 
uh, and look to get there. But it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a unique challenge and, and a little different than, than MLS. It took them a long time to get there, but uh, in some ways it wasn't, it wasn't rocket science where they, where they ended up. No, but I mean, my time at Colorado, I didn't think they still had, they still hadn't really had a supporter, proper supporter culture, hadn't really developed there. Obviously, those teams that came in in 96, the others quickly learned and kind of left them behind to a certain extent. But my question is that this this podcast is called Sports Content Strategy. So where does the content strategy fit in? I know you, what's your feel at this stage about how you might tell the story around these teams? You could argue that, as you said, the franchise leagues around the world, well, the the Western Storm or uh, any of the hundred franchises have no history. They have no background. This is this is one of the problems that I've got with the hundred. I'm a huge Essex County cricket fan, and most of the counties, I mean, Sussex go back um, betting in past couple of hundred years they're they're moving towards a couple of hundred years they've got huge history behind them and they're playing t20 but the new franchise leagues don't have history they don't have deep brands per se they they've they've put them in places and then tried to build a brand on top so you could argue that works in your favor but it won't be seen as another artificial American invention because it's an artificial Australian invention with the BBL, an artificial Indian invention with the IPL uh, and the hundreds an artificial invention as well. So, but, but my question is your feel on content strategy given around everything I've, I've said there. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it is, it is novel um, and unique and yeah, we're, we're not grappling with the, you know, the hundreds of, of years of, of tradition that, uh, you know, the county cricket has in, in England and, and the hundred being sort of laid over that and, and swallowing it to, to some, to some degree, we're, we're more at the point where if we can get the community that loves cricket to ban behind launching major league cricket and everything else that we're doing at those multiple levels of the pyramid. And that's probably important too, you know, and, and the ECB would say the hundred is the way for them to get the revenue to invest back in the, the rest of the pyramid, I'm sure. But you can see literally that that's what we are doing and need to do uh, because none of that really exists. Uh, you know, none of these stadiums, none of these places exist. So it's very clear that for the cricket community to embrace major league cricket uh, and for us to give back in return to, to that pyramid, is an everyone wins situation uh, because we have to grow the game from from a low you know a low infrastructure base and we can invest in that together. So the story for the cricket community, to your, to your point, is how we can um, engage them to to believe in that mission, to be our evangelist for the sport, to embrace their local team because they're probably fans of you know uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders or the Mumbai Indians or, or whatever it may be already. So we need to sell them on the idea that this is a league also worthy of their attention, A, because ultimately because of the quality of the play and the world-class cricket that they'll be able to see and follow in their own time zone uh, and, and potentially go see in person too. But right now, those of us that watch cricket, we're, we're bleary-eyed because we're watching it, you know, at very odd hours, uh, at very odd hours of the day. So this gives American fans of cricket the chance to watch it locally uh, and, and win over that enthusiasm. And if we can win their eyeballs, through the world-class nature of the game and then do really good fan engagement uh, around the clubs so that they 
become, like I said, our evangelists out there to spread it outside of that, that core cricket community that, you know, that's a key way that the sport can grow. Uh, you know, we saw it's a small scale example, but at those minor league finals, you know, the bulk of the audience was certainly South Asian were existing cricket fans. They, they play in the local leagues there and so on. But we saw a lot of fans just come out because they'd heard there was a, a fun event in their, you know, in their, in their town. And they were curious about it. They'd probably seen people playing cricket at the park and they wanted to see what a higher level looked like. They came out and I just loved walking around and, and seeing those, uh, those existing fans at cricket explaining the game point by point to these new fans and winning them over. And, you know, you could see they're enjoying it and getting into it. And that's, you know, that's what we need to repeat times a million, but we'll take time. But, you know, I, I do think content is one way to do that at scale, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a baseball YouTuber called John Boy. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with him, but you know he's got a few million followers across his channels. He, you know, he's a guy who's gone from his cliche, you know, New Jersey basement to a, a massive office in Manhattan for John Boy Media in, in just a few years because he does these really good baseball explainer videos. And, and, and it turns out he's uh, started watching cricket um and started doing some videos about cricket in the same style he does his baseball and other sports videos explaining it uh, he did an introduction to cricket using sort of baseball terminology and explaining the game in a very fun um but translatable way for for american baseball fans and and that has you know a few hundred thousand views already i'm sure it'll, it'll keep growing um and that's a way that the sport can be introduced at scale to a large number of new fans. So, you know, we've talked to John Boy, we'll, we'll do something with him uh, in the future and his team, because um, he, he genuinely likes the sport. He's interested in it. Uh, he was very keen to learn about what we're planning with Major League Cricket, but that, that you know, that's a way for us to reach those new audiences directly without waiting for ESPN Sports Center to do something. It, we can move at, at pace and at scale with, with some of these, you know, with influencer style content, if it's done really well, uh, you know, video games can be another way as well. You know, cricket 22 uh, is an opportunity that, that we're looking at, you know, FIFA video game did a tremendous amount for, for soccer in the United States, introduced a whole generation to the sport essentially. So that's another great way that we can introduce it. And in fact, I believe we're already one of the top markets for, for cricket uh, 22. So, you know, when we look at some creative ways to do that, the reach directly through our players' platforms as well, you know, that's increasingly important in sport to, to have a way uh, you know, to use the, the, the followings that our players will have to directly reach fans. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have the Kolkata Knight Riders as a franchise in the league and an investor in the league. Uh, and obviously the reach that they have to existing cricket fan bases in the U.S., uh, is a massive opportunity for us uh, and we'll probably have a, one or two others similar to that. So going directly to fans uh, in, in some unique and interesting ways, I think it's really important for us to do. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll do mainstream media, we'll do advertising, you know, we'll do some traditional things because we do need to have a breadth of ways of reaching people. But the more creative we are and the more we can directly get to fans on their phones, frankly, uh, it, it's going to be really um, the key to, to growing this over the next handful of years. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, something we're, we're very focused on 
and it's a fun it's a fun challenge uh, and it's something that we, we're very open-minded on there isn't a, a, a playbook for doing this there isn't a, a clear guidebook to how you launch a professional american cricket league because no one's done it at least at scale uh before and so it, we have to think you know cliche but we have to think outside the box in, in how we do that and, and again take some risks some things will work some things won't but i'm you know more interested in, in doing that than you know just just doing a few ads on uh you know on tv in each market i think we need to find a way to, to break things open a bit uh and, and get out there you know cricket simulators are another one that we could use the type of thing you're seeing in, in sixes in England uh, because that can show the game. That's, again, our biggest challenge is how do you introduce people here to play the game, to show them what it is? Uh, you know, even local media, we, we had some local media out in North Carolina at that finals and we, we just got them on the pitch, gave them a cricket bat, had our pro players, you know, bowl a few balls at them and they were sort of blown away with the, you know, the speed, the athleticism, the challenge of it. But they actually, most of them have played baseball and picked it up quite quickly, uh, you know, which is an interesting thing in America that, you know, outside of cricket, um, the most popular bat and ball sport in the world is, is baseball in America, right? So, and it's quite translatable back to John Boy. You know, one thing he said to us is, I can put cricket videos on my channels. And even if people don't understand the scoring, they don't really know what's going on with overs or wickets. They understand a, a great catch. They understand a massive hit out of the park. They understand a run out because uh, those things are, are easily understood if you followed a bat and ball sport, uh, which obviously so many Americans have. So there is a natural crossover in some of these areas. So it's picking out those audiences, doing some testing, seeing what's working. Um, you know, I, I always like, you know, my sort of fan engagement strategy is to see genuinely what's working to follow closely what are people saying on social channels you know there's a discord channel devoted to american cricket where all the sort of hardcore fanatics have their chats and i i love popping in there and seeing what they're saying uh and, and getting that feeling and you know taking a gut feeling finding some metrics to give it uh, you know give it some solidity and uh and, and then packaging it up and uh and taking it back out and scaling it up across across the country so that that's going to be the fun challenge of the next couple of years yeah i mean that, that i'm hugely critical of the hundred strategically but from a content perspective they launched without i mean i actually asked their head of digital do they have a gaming strategy before they launched and they didn't have one and they didn't have a TikTok channel as well this year, which for us... Yeah, it was very us, surprising, yeah. Yeah, I mean, given it's... They're trying to educate a young audience, <laughs> surely those are the two things that are going to give you a cut through. And as you rightly say, so many... When I was at the Rapids, you know, we, we did so many things with FIFA and they cut through because everyone... The, the kids were playing FIFA and the kids were playing soccer in, in, in school... And yet they weren't necessarily coming to see the Rapids, but they were aware of the game. That, that that awareness was there. And I did, and you mentioned KKR, and I did a, a podcast with their head of content guy called Asint Gupta. And they've, I mean, their their content strategy is fantastic, but they're even moving now. They're trying to get into creating movies, creating feature films around their great victories in the IPL. That's where they are. I mean, it's a it's a, it's IPL and it's also Indian culture, so it's a little bit blown blown up. It's an extravaganza, you know, which which is great. It's, it, it works and um and the ipl content it's sorry it's, it's the biggest gap between the standard of content and the amount of pr it gets 
You know, it's really mm-hmm. high quality, innovative content with great access and no one talks about it. You know, <laughs> no one talks yeah. about it because I don't think it, uh, perhaps it doesn't stretch outside India. I don't, I don't know. And But you've mentioned Major League Rugby. There's Major League Lacrosse as well. So I'm not sure if there's another Major League uh, trying to get into the US, but you are you you are one of many uh and and soccer was at that stage and it became when i went over there 2015 it was seen as the fifth sport and now there's metrics to suggest it's very close to hockey and baseball in certain metrics certainly with the young um so you have to create that cut through and you have to you know where do you see the competition where do you see the crossovers who's whose audience you are you going to take is it, is it as simple as baseball or or were you being more sophisticated about it than that yeah generally in in, in sports and this applies to local local uh, teams as well i'm not sure you you're really directly just competing with your fellow sports you're really competing for people's emotional loyalty and for their, their time and their money right and, and that's competing as well with going to the you know going to the cinema or or you know going on a day trip somewhere you know i worked at uh, the indianapolis motor speedway home of the indy 500 and you know it's, it's obviously a massive a massive event it means so much to the local community uh, and the people that go to that race they they save up and uh, you know, buy their expensive tickets and their camping and their their week uh, at the track. Not not instead of spending that money on going to Colts games or Pacers games in the NBA, they're spending it instead of going on vacation in Florida or, or something else because it's meaningful to them and that's where they want to invest their time and money because uh, they're they you know they they love it. Their family loves it, and it's a way to come together around the. A tremendous activity so you know we're in that space really where you know we need to earn fans loyalty i think we can win plenty of baseball fans i don't think that means they give up on baseball you know some of our some of the the, the folks we have that are really engaged with the sport now are massive baseball fans they love it but they've also really gotten into cricket and and they can complement each other uh, and you don't have to give up one for the other you know maybe that happens in some cases but generally i i think uh, you know it, it's about building something that's meaningful to people uh, and it doesn't matter too much uh, or it, 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 the, the end result isn't just a zero-sum game where they have to give up everything else. L- lots of the biggest soccer fans I know who are running the supporter groups and so on, they are also big fans of the Chicago Bears or the Bulls or, or you know, Blackhawks uh, and love that too. Uh, and in fact, in some ways, it only, you know, sort of energize them more that, that sport was in many ways the center of their identity and their their life and here was a sport they could really engage in even more deeply than some of the traditional sports because it's more accessible the players are more accessible and um, you know you can be really active as a supporter uh, versus the NFL experience which is obviously a little more consumer driven so if we can provide that access and that, that feeling that it's a community driven sport and you can be close to the players and you can uh, you're not as separated as you are in some of the traditional sports. So, you know, I think that can be a, a winning point for us. Um, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop watching the Dodgers on, on TV or, or whatever it whatever it may be. So I, I just think we need to to find our way, you know, find our audiences, uh, learn who they are as they develop, because, you know, we'll take our best guesses as we get going, but we'll learn a lot more once we get going and have more data 
from you know ticket buyers and TV viewers and everything, and, and then find a way to build on that. More every time. So last one. I've heard talk of cricket getting in the Olympics for LA, and I'm not holding you up as a spokesman or anything like that. Um, I've heard talk of it, but no one's actually officially launched anything. So without being a spokesman and trying to put you on the spot, what's the mood around that? How serious is it? How optimistic is it? Because that could be a step change for the game. Suddenly, I mean, German cricket's big. Um, uh, Scandinavian cricket's big. Italian cricket is get, is going. If they start to have a tournament that they can aspire to, I mean, obviously there's a World Cup, but you know where where the nation is going to properly get behind them, that could be a huge step change. The mood around US cricket, which you don't directly work for, but you work for a, a related company. How strong is it? How optimistic is it? How realistic is is it? In your opinion. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you're right. I don't speak for the ICC or, or USA Cricket. I think we are optimistic. Um, you know, we we know that the ICC is 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 uh, committed to bidding for it and working hard towards it. And they, you know, it, it totally ties in with their strategy of um, the US market as as one of the key areas that they're focused on. I have no idea about the the high level politics that go into it with the ICC and the IOC, and clearly the Olympics are also, you know, not looking. I think to expand the total number of sports, so it does become a, a competitive game there. Um, uh, but certainly the, the investments we're making in facilities, including in Southern California, uh, support that support that bid because they can be confident there'll be a appropriate you know cricket venues not just in Southern California but in Northern California and elsewhere close by. So that that, uh, that surely has to be helpful to the to the process. Uh, I, I do think it would be a great you know sort of crowning um, crowning goal uh, towards the end of the decade as as we make all of this development. I think the World Cup. Can have, uh, and we, you know, we certainly saw this in, in soccer. The World Cup can have a really broad impact because it's in multiple locations all across the country, and it's the focus around that one sport, right? Whereas the Olympics, there'll be, you know, two dozen other sports and a million other storylines going on at the same time. So, it, you know, it won't be the sole focus of the, the of anybody in, in in LA around the Olympics, even though it'd be a big deal. Um, the World Cup. And, and I think that we're going to have the T20 World Cup, but certainly we'd expect to have future men's and women's, you know, under 19 and 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 full World Cups in the future here as we develop the, the facilities to do that. We're a great country at hosting major events. There's a reason the Soccer World Cup's coming back here in 26 and the Olympics, you know, is here quite regularly. Uh, you know, we can do these major sporting events uh, better, you know, sound a bit American arrogance, but certainly uh, competitively with anyone in in the world. So, um, you know, I think this is just the start, but having those global spotlights is really important because it does introduce the broader audience here to the, uh, to the scale uh, of the sport and the, and Americans love those major events and those world cup type tournaments and Olympics as a chance to, uh, to experience other sports uh, and, and get outside kind of the, the big four American bubble of the domestic sports, which clearly everyone loves. But I think there's something special about Olympics and World Cups and other sports and expanding that, that universe. And I think there's a younger generation that's increasingly 
open to and, and wants to explore international culture and international sport and, and be part of that broader fabric uh, of global sport. So uh, th those tournaments are really important. Um, but yeah, if I was a betting man, I'd probably put, wouldn't put my house on it, but I, you know, I might put 10 quid or something. I don't know. Tom Dunmore and your dog. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Richard. You can find Sports Content Strategy on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Go to sportscontentstrategy.com for more information and to sign up to the newsletter. Richard is at Mr. Richard Clark on all social media. Read his blog at mrrichardclark.com. Thank you.